A happy hour Friday of the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. It starts now. I'm Mike Gill at Mike Gill Show. That's Hunter Brody at Broads81. Josh Henning's producing today's show. He just gave me the six shooters. Got the double. Bang, 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 bang. It's funny. We always try and see what Josh gives us when we leave after the show. Nothing. Nothing. Mostly deadpan. Now. You ever do that? You ever just like, you know, you give your buddy like a, a peace sign or like a fist or something, and normally you get something back. Josh, nothing. You know why? He's all business. All business. But, like, that's where it's like, hey, man, we're giving you the deuces. Like, have a nice weekend. Have a nice night. And we get nothing. And I told, I brought it up to you. I said, watch. I'll give Josh like a wave, a thumbs up, a mahalo, and we'll get nothing back in return. You were kind of like, what do you mean nothing? I'm like, nothing. No reaction. Not like, yo, peace out, yo. Right. And I'll say, yo, Josh, deuces. Like, I'll almost demonstratively do. do it. Oh, you do. You're aggressive with the move. Because I know I'm not getting anything, and you're like, come on. And then as soon as that door shuts, you're like, dude, nothing. I get nothing. Well, now he's aware. Yeah, but, well, now he but, knows. But, it, but it's funny. When you start the show off, you always say, and Josh Henning is producing the show, he'll give you the wave then. He gets the wave. Today always. I got the six shooters. It's crazy. What a guy we have here, Josh. That's uh, He's a guy, oh, all right. He's amazing. He's amazing. Without him, we don't run right, you know? Uh, it's good to be back. I had the last couple days off, so I got a chance to really uh, think about his stuff. I heard you guys a little bit on Wednesday talking about Doug Peterson's presser. And I definitely want to get into some of that. Uh, I think this Dombrowski news, you got Jalen Hurts making his first NFL start. This is a huge weekend for the Eagles. And I wrote a piece about this whole situation on the website. I, I asked you to go check that out. And I'll just tell you, the title of the piece, it's something Doug Peterson said that really stood out to me. But if the Eagles didn't see this coming, how can we trust them to then fix it? That's the, that's the title of the story. I encourage you to go check it out. We'll bring that up. But this Dave Dombrowski hire, I think it's impactful and big enough that it really leads the show. I mean, this is a potential monumental type of hire, and you might be surprised that I say that, but it reminds me of something, and I the only problem I have with this is I don't know if the Phillies have the ingredients to make the meal that Dombrowski typically wants to cook. You said it perfectly. You literally said it perfectly. It's not the worst hire in the world. Now, I'm down on the hire, but you could do a lot worse. This guy does have a track record. Some good, some bad. Okay, let me ask you. Why are you down on the hire? I I think I can guess why, but like, what is the reason that anybody in their right minds like okay i'm just saying taking a step back here the guys won two world series he's been to the world series four times with three different organizations essentially every place he's gone the model is similar he wins he wins big and then it crumbles and crashes and burns um montreal he built that team up he built a great farm system up in montreal so I think the perception that he's a one-trick pony is not fair. Okay, so the reason why I'm down on it is this. And uh, I, I do see his positive, so I'm not going to act as if it is all negatives. But you said the ingredients. I look at this Phillies organization, and clearly I see it differently than where John Middleton sees it. He has a role in this league. I don't think the Phillies are where Dave Dombrowski is the move. I don't think he fits where the current 
Phillies are right now, and, and maybe he gets them to that point, but you you look at his track record, and he packages up prospects, and he gets big-name guys, and he helps your team win, which is fair. But right now, you have nothing. You don't have prospects that move the needle for you to acquire talent back. You literally have nothing. And I know that people look at the prospects and say, you don't win with those. And you're right, you don't. You'd rather have proven players, and, and that's how you succeed. But I look at where this organization is, and I compare it to how some of these better uh, organizations are operating, and and I see two different ways. I see an old school way in John Middleton's philosophy here, and then I see the Dodgers, I see the Rays, I see the Astros, and they're headed in more of a analytical world, which is where I would like to go. Right. So that word, the analytical, it feels like you almost have a process versus the anti-processors now in baseball. You have the younger generation who is very pro-analytics against the old baseball guy who kind of throws them out the window. I don't know where Dombrowski, where he sits with that. He's definitely more uh, leaning more old school. Exactly. They were saying the mix, the way that they're saying this is, the mix between Dombrowski and Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi's more analytics than people like to say that he is. So the mix between old school guy and Dave Dombrowski and and Joe Girardi, who's forming into more of the new school, would be a good fit. Okay. Here's what I know about Dombrowski. If you go back and kind of follow him, the Montreal situation that he was in, this was, I mean, 30 years ago. The game is way different. So anything that he did in Montreal almost gets thrown out the window. But what he did in Montreal was he put together maybe one of the most impressive minor league systems ever. I mean, that two, uh, 94 Montreal team was one of the best in baseball until the strike came and basically blew the whole thing up. He then leaves Montreal. Now, this is before the 94 season, but he got guys like Rondell White and Cliff Floyd and, and a bunch of those younger players in Montreal. He then becomes the first GM for the Marlins. Now, that Marlins thing is kind of interesting because if you remember, you know, they were the expansion team and then quickly they went from expansion team to winning a world series five years later they won a world series here's the rub with all that they started off sixth place fifth place fourth place third place and then won the world series they progressively got better each and every year but they never had a winning record other than the year they won the world series now i get it they won that world series and then they tore the thing down and they were the worst team in baseball, and then he slowly started, and then, boom, he got out of there. In his whole tenure in Florida, they only had one winning season, but it was a World Series. And that's where I have the issue. It's almost as if when you look around the league, right, there's plenty of franchises now that build their franchise within, and they're having sustained success. This move, to me, is almost you're going to go out, you're going to try to put Band-Aids on what you have, you're going to try and win now, right now, but if you don't, in that very limited amount of time, good luck, it's going to crash and burn, and now you got to go through 2013 through 2017 again where it's miserable baseball. So it's almost as if you have a short window with this guy to go out and get it, well, but if you don't... That's not fair to say, I don't think. Because in Florida, the derivative, the directive, I should say, from ownership was you need to rip the payroll apart. We gave you all the money. You built... It was like they went and, and it was like, um, you know... When you see a strip mall being built, they, they throw it up in like a week. Here's the four stores we went in the strip mall. Bang, it's right there. 
The Marlins said, here's money, go buy us a championship. He got all the right players, they won a World Series. And then they said, all right, that business is going out of business, tear it down. And he was told to tear it down. This wasn't like he made bad decisions. He was told, you have to tear this down, we're not spending that money anymore. So I like to look at what he did in Detroit a little bit more. Because in Detroit, they were horrible. Yeah, he built that up. 55 wins, the worst team in baseball, 43 wins, one of the worst teams I ever saw. And then three years after that, they went to a World Series. But does that show you that you have to build this? Not, not like it's the only way to win. But when you inherit that, you build within and kind of build that back up. If they go with that philosophy, I'll support it. But the way that I see it, or at least hear it, and hopefully I'm wrong, is, you know, here's the money, go out and do it. I think you got to take a tiny step back for a longer window moving forward. Well, this is that, why, That's how I see the Phillies right now. Now, this is why I say I'm along for the ride with this move. Because the message we keep getting is the Phillies aren't spending money. Their purse strings are tied. They're not spending money. That they have no money to spend. Don't anticipate them spending money. Dave Dombrowski is 64 years old. He has been one of the most successful GMs, president of baseball ops in baseball, over the last three decades. He won a World Series with the Boston Red Sox. He got to two World Series with the Detroit Tigers. He won a World Series with the Florida Marlins. Those three franchises, let's just say, I mean, Boston has a lot of history. They don't have a lot of World Series success. To win a World Series with the Red Sox, that means something. To get to the World Series with that Detroit franchise, not once but twice, and by the way, they made the playoffs four straight seasons. He took them from a 43-win team to making two World Series and the playoffs five times during his tenure there. So my point is this. The the narrative is that the Phillies have no money to spend. They're not spending money. They had to release all these workers. Don't expect them to spend money. You bring in a 64-year-old Dave Dombrowski, and you think you're convincing him, hey, you could have this job, but we're not spending any money, and we're not doing anything, and that he looked around the farm system and said, huh, there's nothing here. He had to have a reason. He had a job. He was going to run this Nashville situation. He had to have had a reason that because anything that he heard from Middleton that he didn't like, he could have said, eh, I don't need this. I would imagine for him to take this job, it's because he was given the ability to do what he wants to do. Now, my question is, do they have the pieces for him to do what he wants to do? Who in that minor league system? Because this is what Dombrowski does. I'll give you three names because that's all they have. He goes after the aces, all right? He wants a guy at the top. He went and spent huge money, remember, on Chris Sale. He had Verlander in Detroit. He he went out and got Beckett. Uh, he drafted Beckett when he was at the Marlins. He likes that top end of the rotation guy. Does he think that he has that guy, or does he convince John Middleton, I need Trevor Bauer? He trades your top prospects to get big stars. The problem is the Phillies don't have any prospects to get the big star. They He, he got uh, Miguel Cabrera. He traded he for also, Sale. The, the Cabrera trade, awesome. The back end of what he did once he paid him was abysmal. Well, he's been known to overpay to get guys. Big time. You the know? Chris Sale contract and the David Price contract and then Nathan's contract out there in Boston as well, which was one of the reasons why he couldn't get Mookie Betts towards the end, which is franchise-changing, in my opinion. Right. So there's some flaws. So 
it's like you are about to buckle up, get on the roller coaster, and find out whether or not. It's like that meme with the dog and the fires all around him. He's cool, calm, and collective with the fire, and he's like, I got this. But at some point, that fire is going to get him, and it's just so you have to hope. I think in the next three seasons that he can do what he wants to do. They have about three seasons to become a World Series contender. Otherwise, I think the thing is going to go up in gulf and flames. So I like the – I am on board, and I will go with the gamble because I don't love the whole analytical nature. I get that's where the game is, but I don't think that's the only way to win in today's game. I think a good, smart baseball guy who utilizes some analytics, mixes them together, can win in today's game. So I'll sign up for a guy who has had that kind of credibility and that kind of success. The intrigue is, how does he do it with what this team is giving him? And that's exactly why I feel the way I do. It's based off of where the Phillies are built. The perfect way is, I think the guy has a role. He has shown success. If you're, the way I like to envision it is, if you're a 90-win team, a 91-win team, a 92-win team, and you bring in him, I think you're going to make that push to get the 98 wins. He'll make sure you get the 99 wins, maybe even 100 wins. That's where I think his value is the most. But if you're stuck in this 82, 83, and you don't have the prospects, you have Stott, Abel, and Spencer Howard. If Spencer Howard's even someone who you would give up, that's three guys. Guess what? You're not getting a damn thing well, you got Alec for those Bone. three guys. I, I think he's part of your team at this point. I'm but just saying. You're right. He's there, too. And if his track record says anything... I will trade my best guy to get an established player. I think what you'll get, though, is a possibility to land JT Real Mucho. Now, people might be excited about that. That can hurt your franchise because he can overpay for him. It looks like James McCann's either going to the Mets or the Angels, which means JT, the Phillies might have lucked themselves into a spot. But let me tell you this, Gil. I think it's very telling that the, that the Mets and the Angels are going for McCann over JT Real Muto because he is, spend the money. he is not worth the seven years, 200 mil. Let's not. There's no reason to do that. I know what you gave up, and I know you have this emotional tie to him. There's a reason why other teams are going in another direction. He's just at that position, at that age, it's not worth it. It's funny. My cousin texted me the other day saying that he thinks the Phillies are closer than most people do. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't like Reese Hoskins. I don't love Gene Segura. He might get traded, by the way. It looks like the Blue Jays are in touch with the Phillies for Gene Segura. Yeah, I know Segura's name has come up. Uh, I'm not like I, so. I don't love Reese Hoskins. I don't love Gene Segura. Their center field situation's a problem. They don't have a catching spot right now. You could argue left field's a problem. I was going to say left field. Uh, I'm not a huge McCutcheon guy anymore. I mean, I I like the guy as a human being. I think he's a great dude. I don't think that he is near the same player that he was even the first year that they got him. Let alone to where he is now. I don't know who's playing shortstop for this team. I mean, they just got this kid, Kyle Holder, in the first round uh, uh, in the Rule 5 draft. He was a first-round pick a couple of years ago, never made it to the majors. He's now 26 years old. You're going to put – now a Rule 5 guy has to be on your roster the whole year. You're going to throw a Rule 5 guy – now, apparently, he's a very good defensive shortstop. Yes. But you're going to play a Rule 5 guy at shortstop all year long and think that you're a pennant-winning uh, team? Hell no. So if you trade Segura – are you going to hand that over to Bryson Stott and just say you're our shortstop right now? So they have a big problem at shortstop. The bullpen is an abomination. So I don't see, and Bob Wankel's going to join us later from Crossing Broad. I don't see how Dombrowski can fix this thing in a three-year span. That's that's my point. But 
if someone's going to take major swings to try to do it, it's probably him. Oh, it's definitely him. Now, I was talking to Frank Close, our uh, Phillies insider this morning, and he thinks if you get rid of Gene Segura, that's the money that you signed Didi Gregorius with. So if that's the road they go down, then sure, I would love for that to be the case. You get rid of Segura, you bring in Didi back for maybe a couple of seasons. He can be your shortstop until Stott is ready. That's, of course, if he's still on the team and, and not being traded. I don't want to make it seem like I absolutely despise it 100% because I don't. I just feel, me personally... I would have went in another direction where you might take one or two steps back just for this season. Let's let's re not retool, but let's just reassess ourselves so maybe for the long run you can have more success. And it's not this insane step back, but you look at this division, you look at the Braves, they're not even close. They're not close, and it feels like they went with a win-now move, a win-now guy, and I don't think that they should necessarily be in win-now mode. They're just a little bit shy of that. And if they built this thing up properly, they can get there quicker. So I, I just disagree with their mindset, but it's not the worst mindset in the history of the world. Well, here's the thing. I think they're kind of stuck between they are. win now because they're mediocre. So they're stuck between – they don't want to – put it this way. You're John Middleton. You do not want to rip it back up and start back over. You can't because you signed Bryce Harper. Correct. You, you actually can't. So now you're in the middle. So if you're in the middle, you need to take the swing and the mindset that we're in the middle, but we are got to get closer to winning than going backwards. You already went to the backwards. It's not an enviable task for anybody to be in. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely hard, no doubt. But I just look at the way other franchises are around. And let me ask you this, because you did interview Burns from L.A. He's saying, I'm going to stay in L.A. They ended up interviewing Thad from Minnesota, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay in Minnesota. Do you think it's ironic that that's happening, or do you think that these conversations, these new era guys, now, they also interviewed Michael Hill of the Miami Marlins, and we don't really know where that's at at the moment. Of course, it doesn't really matter, but maybe he's a GM. Who knows? They can still hire a GM, although it looks like Dombrowski's going to have autonomy regardless. I just wonder, did they try to go in the new direction, and everybody's getting interviewed thinking, this guy? John Middleton? I'm going to stay with where I'm at. It's a mess there. So then he ends up going down the road of Dombrowski. Um, it's a great, it's a fair question is why didn't these other guys find this to be an attractive spot, right? right. Why this is Philadelphia. They? I know we can rip them apart and they're a losing franchise, but in the baseball world, if you're an executive or a high baseball person in other places and you get a phone call about the president of the Philadelphia Phillies, that's something that, it, that should be intriguing. Well, I guess here's the question. Did those guys get the same leash that Dombrowski was getting? In other words, Andy McPhail's still here. I don't know in what capacity, but the new guy, Hill or Burns, coming in here, were they told, hey, you're going to have to work with Andy McPhail for a year, whereas Dombrowski has enough uh, pedigree, resume, and, and experience that McPhail doesn't have to hold his hand and they can turn the keys right over to him. That's a great question. It really is. And Scott Lauber reported this months ago that – you know, when they were talking about who could possibly be landed in this job, he said autonomy is definitely going to happen with Dombrowski even months ago before this even happened. So I think that is a reasonable point that you brought up that maybe John Middleton doesn't give them the same open window to go to work. It, it might be more of John Middleton's input with some of the other guys, which is that a problem, though, that Middleton's not willing to allow some of these other guys to run the show. Well, That's what I mean, you have to do if you want to progress here. Maybe they weren't some of his first picks. 
You know, Dombrowski, uh, 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 apparently they reached out to him and he didn't have interest. He's running this Nashville situation. I guess Nashville's trying to get a team and that he was kind of the person that was in charge of running this thing down there. So he had a job. He had a situation. And by the way, the job in Nashville, to my understanding, was a very um, a very much a uh, development situation. So it showed that this guy wanted to be in a developmental thing. So people have this uh, um, this opinion that he's just there to swing for the heavy hitters. He has drafted and developed very, very well. In Detroit, he got Verlander. He had Cameron Maven. They've got some other guys uh, throughout his time with um, Florida. He drafted Josh Beckett and Mark Kotze and Charles Johnson, uh, Rick Porcello, Andrew Miller. I mean, he has drafted – very, very well. So he is a guy who w- wants to develop, but he's also not afraid. He knows his market, and he knows where he's at, and he knows where the timeline is of his team. I'm the Boston Red Sox. I'm there to win. I'm not there to wait for so-and-so prospect maybe to make it. No, i got to win a World Series right now. So I think he knows when to put the foot on the gas and when to maybe put it in cruise control. I'm I'm mixed between intrigued and concerned, and that's where this jumble of emotions are because I do know that he is willing to swing, and that is something that I do like. I just see the common theme when he leaves, it gets hideous. So I don't want to live through 2012 through or 2013 through 2017 again where your baseball team is irrelevant in the summer. I'm afraid that it will boil down to that again, and I think you can find a way to be successful from this point moving forward and not have to be in a spot where when he walks away, it's a mess. Like, it's inevitable. It happened in every spot where he was, whether it was, you know, Miami, Detroit, or Boston. When he leaves, you got to dig yourself out of that big hole. So that will happen. It just comes down to when he is here, does he do enough to satisfy your needs where it's like the, the Super Bowl thing. You win the Super Bowl in 2017. Some people sold their soul to the devil. You know, hey, if you if you win it, you're gonna stink for five years, and you say, okay, fine, I'll take it. Well, what that's if, what you're almost getting with with Dabrowski. Well, what if you were to go on that um to go on that plane? What if you were what happened in um Detroit, where you get there twice, you don't win, and then you gotta go through a hundred. Or what seasons? if you were what happened in Florida, where he got there, they were not very good. They they were in sixth, then fifth, then fourth, then third. I think with the year they won the World Series, they almost, they were in second place. They didn't even win the division. They ended up winning the World Series that year, though. They won that World Series, and then they progressively got worse and worse and worse. So if he said three years from now, look, Pat Gillick got here, and this reminds me a lot of the Gillick situation. They were a team that was just stuck in that 80-win area. They were just kind of stuck there. They just were – they needed some – we we kept saying the Phillies organization was this family. It was this old boys network. It was always – Bring back Larry Boa. Have Dallas Green. Yeah, it's like the old it fly, the old Flyers guys that want Bobby Clark back. All right, the, time. the Phillies organization always seemed like bring back that old nineteen eighties Phillies guy, and they went out and they got Pat Gillick, and Gillick in three years got him over the top. They won that World Series, and could this move be the Gillick move that they went out the organization and brought someone in who had the pedigree that could get them over the top? The only thing I'm afraid of there is you talk about having the ingredients. You know, a big part of that run was Utley, Rollins, Howard. They came up. They were built together. You don't really have that right now. And that's where the concern is, is I don't know if the Phillies have what he needs to operate. Now, can he get that? Maybe. Maybe he can. But 
you know, he has a track record of needing that and pushing for it. We'll talk to Bob Wankel about it coming up at 3.40 today. The uh, Dombrowski presser is coming up. I am very interested to hear this, so we will get that for you here on the Sports Bash. It's the 12 days of remote start now through Christmas Eve at One Stop Car Audio across from TD Bank on Route 9 in Northfield. I'm Mike Hill. That's Hunter Brody. You out there, follow me on Twitter, at Mike Gill Show, at Broads81. We are live on the 97.3 ESPN Facebook channel. I see Matt. What's up, Matt? Timothy uh, looks like a Saints fan chiming in. If you want to get in on the action, you can hit us up on the text board, 609-403-0973. That is powered by First Bank of Sea Isle City on the free mobile app. Turn it on. Leave it on. Radio Talk Show, The Sports Bash, with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. Uh, it's bottom of the hour, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app, and live video on our 97.3 ESPN Facebook page. You can check us out over there. Get in on the action. At Mike Gill Show on Twitter. At Broads81. Uh, Kelly, hello. She said, hi, Mike and Broads. Love the show. Hey, Kelly. Amir, good to catch up with you, man. I remember meeting Amir at a remote years ago. We were doing a show live on location somewhere. Good to see that you're still hanging on and watching the show that we haven't um, driven you out yet. You don't do that to people. No. That's not what I hear. <laughs> Sports Bash is live on 97.3 ESPN. And the free mobile app. We're going to bring you uh, Dave Dombrowski live here in just a moment. He is set to meet the media. I'm really interested to hear what he has been told, what kind of um, assurances he's been given to run this thing. It's hard to imagine anything other than have at it. You know, I mean, this guy has been around for a while and he has a track record. I can't imagine him saying, I'm going to pick up from Nashville from what I've been doing to say, you know, you're not going to go somewhere to go to a place where you're told you don't have full autonomy to spend whatever you want to spend. So I would imagine John Middleton's handing him the keys. I would think that's the only reason he took this job, that he took this job because he convinced John Middleton of this is the way I want to do it, and I'm not taking this job unless you give me assurances that that's the way we can do it. And that means if I want to trade Alec Bohm, I can trade Alec Bohm. If I have a deal that I think that's the best deal – no one's going to tell me no. I wonder what's going to happen with the GM. Is Ned Rice going to stay the GM? Is he going to bring no. in someone he likes to work with? Well, I don't know what's the way that happen. he did it in Boston, he was their president of baseball loss, but he never really had a GM there. I know. I was thinking he'd be the combo. He assumed the role of GM once he was in Boston. I would imagine that that's the way this thing goes. By the way, on Twitter, at 973ESPN, thoughts on the hiring of Dave Dombrowski Love it, hate it, Eagles play Sunday. <laughs> Which one do you think's in the lead right now? Because it's very close. It's if it's Eagles play Sunday, I'm disappointed. And that you know what that does? That proves our point that Philadelphia Phillies fans are frauds. Because this is a big move. This is franchise changing type move. If this doesn't move your needle, then this fan base is a joke. Yeah, love it, hate it, Eagles play Sunday. Is it Eagles play Sunday? Which one do you think? I feel like it's that one. Well, it's 36-29-34. That's the percentage breakdown right now. 
Too much is going on the Eagles play Sunday. All right, here is Dave Dombrowski. He is meeting the media right now here on 97.3 ESPN. You know, you're in trying to do this thing in Nashville, and how did John Middleton lure you to Philadelphia? Well, it's a it's a great question, and it probably takes a little bit of an explanation. So uh, moving here to Nashville is part of the really the, the thought process of Music City Baseball to be part of the community here to try to bring Major League Baseball through expansion or relocation here to eventually be the National Stars Baseball Club. So I joined the venture. I've been consulting throughout the past year and moved here in the beginning of September with my wife. Um, we rented a place and building a home. Really with the thought process that we are going to make with our group, try to, to bring a club here, to be in a position where we did all the things in a proper fashion to hopefully make a presentation to Major League Baseball uh, at the winter meetings in 2021. Maybe they'll be talking about expansion just to be ready, try to get a ballpark location, investors involved, diversity, all of that. But really focused on that. I had a couple of clubs reach out to me during the fall and I thank them because I've always loved being the head of a baseball operation, the general manager, president of baseball operations but told them I was really committed here at that point. Um, so the Phillies were one of the clubs that had reached out to me a, a couple times. Um, I know Andy McVale for years, we're very good friends. He reached out to me and I told him exactly what I just told you. And he called me as latest last Saturday with kind of reaching out once again. Um, he left me a message and said that uh, John Middleton would like to talk to me. Um, so just when John calls me not to be surprised, um, I got that message on Monday, John and I talked Tuesday morning, but in the meantime, what had happened, got some information from major league baseball, um, through the commissioner's office on Monday and in turn on Tuesday, that the time frame we were hoping for here in Nashville, although a premium market, top market to me, this is going to happen here. Uh, it's a situation where the timing due to COVID, um, the uncertainties facing the game, it wasn't going to take place in the time frame of 2021 presentations and time frame to be determined, push back a little bit. Well, with that, my responsibilities, what I need to do would be diminished, not really much to do this coming year. And just so happened, and, and again, it's a coincidence situation that John called me on Tuesday in the morning and talked to me for about an hour to try to keep an open mind about coming to Philadelphia. He did not think himself from what he knew that expansion was going to take place um, in the near future, down the road, but not in the near future. So he talked at great length for about an hour. Um, once I got the additional information, also spoke to, to Andy. And then John talked to me again on Wednesday morning. Um, and so did Andy. And so it really came down to a very quick situation, but it was really John Middleton and um, and again, I've, I've known Andy for years, so feel very comfortable in that regard. But it was John reaching out and really trying to make me part of the Phillies organization. I feel very comfortable with him. I've known him throughout the years. He's a great reputation. Uh, I think he's a great owner. He's very, you know, wants to win. He's a Philadelphia fan. He'll do what he can to win. Um, and somebody that I look forward to working with. So um, that was really the story behind it. Hey, Dave, congratulations. Thank you. I, I wanted to ask you, do you have 
do you consider this, first of all, a rebuild or a retool? And do you have any assurances that you'll have the financial flexibility to spend as you desire? And will you bring in a general manager? Well, I consider it a retool, not a rebuild, for sure. I mean, there, I think there's too many good players on the club. And the way I've looked at it, I mean, uh, we have a star player in right field and, and Bryce and some other good players around him. But anytime you have three good starting pitchers like we have at the top of the rotation, um, you're in pretty good shape to be competitive. Now, there's other things that need to be, need to be done. When you're talking about Nola and Wheeler and Eflin, that's a good place to start with some other arms behind them. So I think it's a retool. Uh, now, when I say this, uh, I know John wants to win. We have flexibility of finances. But when I say that, I don't think it's unlimited amount of funds. I mean, you always realize there's some type of budget um, attached to that. We will work within that. But we're also more, we want to win this year. We'll do what we can. We've got a great manager in Joe Girardi. He's won a, a commitment to that. But I think it's more important, too, that we build an organization that can be competitive year in, year out. So that'll really be the focus in addition to trying to win. So I don't look at this as a situation where we're one player away from winning. I think we need to do a few things with this team. And I really don't want to be sacrificing people that might be part of our future success um, for short-term gains if it's not the difference maker in trying to be a championship club. And as far as the GM, Dave? Oh, I'm sorry about the GM. That's a great, you know what? I don't really know that answer um, because I, I really want a chance to get to know the people in the organization. My instincts are that there's a strong likelihood, but I don't want to make that 100% commitment until I get to know the individuals better. I know them, almost everybody uh, at the upper level, but have, of course, never worked with them. Want to know responsibilities and who's in the office and, and who does what before I make that decision. All right, next up, we'll go to Todd Zalecki from MLB.com and then Jamie Apodi from Channel 6. Hi, Dave. Um, hey, uh, just like for clarification purposes there, is, is your ex expectation that payroll will decrease at, to some extent this season, that you'll be dealing with more of a fixed budget? Because um, I think, the, of course, the when people heard you got the job, they said, okay, the Phillies are going to unload here and just start spending money like crazy. And I think a lot of people have reported the opposite to be true that, uh, that you know, budgets, budgets are still expected to drop. Payrolls is still expected to drop to an extent. Well, I know that where the payroll was last year. And of course, when you talk about COVID and everything taking place and the number of free agents we have, I, I wouldn't expect it to be at that same amount as last year. Um, John, and when I talk to him and from what I've heard from individuals and, and what he's expressed to me, I know what it is now, where it is. Um, there's flexibility to do things, but I think we'll look at each and every move in an intelligent fashion. And if something makes sense, we'll react to that. But I don't by any means come in here and think we have an unlimited amount to spend. And, and I think you have to be careful. And I, again, I know what times what people say and, and expectations are, but I think you make moves to try to win when you think they make sense and you add payroll when they make sense to make a difference. And depending where you are as organizations, um, those things come at different time periods. So over the last time period for myself, I've been with clubs that have won, unfortunately, and I say this to win quite a bit, um, seven of the last nine years of divisional champions. But you know, I've also, there was a time where 
Um, we built clubs too. I mean, I was with Detroit when we built that organization and then spend money. And so I think it's more of doing things in a smart fashion, working with people within your organization, making intelligent decisions. And in John's case, he's on board with that. And I, the thing that's impressive to me, as you can tell, he wants to win. But let's have a plan and let's approach things. I, I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows where this free agent market is going this wintertime. You've seen very few people sign. And it'll be interesting to see what takes place and, and what we end up doing. Do you see enough flexibility in your mind or is there enough flexibility or is there a path to A, bring back JT Real Muto and then B, supplement the rest of the roster with some complementary pieces to build a winning team? Can you do both? I don't know that um, because I really haven't gotten into specific questions. I do know the first part. Uh, everybody in the organization loves JT. I mean, that's anybody I talk to. So I think there's a unanimous feeling they'd like to bring him back. Now, those things are never easy. We've always dealt with, a lot of us have dealt with free agent markets in the past, but that feeling is um, mutual from John on down through the rest of the staff. So there is some flexibility to make moves there, but again, can you get something like done, like that done? I'm not really not sure. Okay, thanks. Sure. Uh, hi, Dave, welcome to Philadelphia, uh, Thank virtually, you. I guess. Um, so this fan base, I'm sure you're, you're well-versed in, uh, they like to win here in Philly. And um, when, you know, Bryce Harper arrived and then Joe Girardi arrived, I think the expectation was playoffs for sure. And then that didn't happen. Um, what is your time frame? I mean, you said you've had, you've run so many successful franchises. You know, are, are we, you talked about a bit of a retool. You talked about building for the future. Um, you know, what are your expectations for this team next season? Can they put up, a playoff caliber team on the field? Well, I think the answer to that is, yeah. I mean, I want to win too. We all want to win, but you also want to do things that you just don't sacrifice your long-term unless you think you're a championship caliber club. And I think it's too early for me to answer that question yet, but I don't think from my conversations with anybody, and I'm speaking with John, speaking with, with Andy, speaking with Joe Girardi, speaking with Ned, speaking with me, and I have, uh, and we'll speak to many more people. I don't think anybody thinks like we're a player away. I mean, we, we have some holes to plug. How can we do that? I think only time will tell. Trade conversations taking place, um, free agency out there with an uncertain market. So do we want to win? Yes. Do we have, there's some good clubs in the division, as you know, I mean, Braves have a good young club. They, they've won the division here a couple of years and, and they're good. You see the Mets have made a big move. Um, Washington world champion a couple of years ago, the Marlins an improving team. But I think we're in a position where we have a lot of nice pieces to win. Um, but we're going to have to do some other things to make it successful. And it's what we're going to try to do. Okay, next up, we'll go to Scott Lauber from the Inquirer and then Megan Montemiro from the Athletic. Hi, Dave. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Good, how are you? Um, so I'm just curious, you know, today's December 11th, you know, and normally you start to build a team in the offseason a uh, couple months earlier than this. And with the work you've been doing in Nashville um, on the expansion, on, on, a, on trying to get a franchise there, how much kind of sort of getting up to speed in a hurry uh, is there going to be now for you? What's what's the next few weeks going to look like just in terms of getting to where you want to want to understand the organization at a level where you can take the next steps. 
Well, there won't be a lot of sleep involved over the next couple of weeks. Um, I, I've done this before. There, there's a lot to be done. I mean, it's just, and you're right, you're walking into the middle of it in, in December where a lot of things are already taking place. So you have to get up to par very quickly. I've already had a long conversation yesterday with, with Ned Rice, who's able to fill me in on a lot of up, up-to-date information. Um, he's sending me more. I had a long conversation with Joe Girardi yesterday. Uh, I've had a long conversation with uh, Andy McPhail about their feelings of the club, what our needs are. Got many more phone calls to make as far as members of the organization are concerned to get their thought processes. Uh, I've already received, I bet you, from uh, at least half the general managers in Major League Baseball. You know, welcome back. Congratulations. Um, let's talk. Um, so I'll get up to speed with those conversations with Ned, who's been having most of them at this time. But there's a lot to be done. It's just, I mean, that's the way it is. It's getting to know your personnel within your own organization, not only trying to improve your club on the field, but I have to need to get to know a lot of people in the front office. And of course, the challenge is not only getting to know them, but getting to know them in a Zoom environment. So, um, but it'll be a busy time period. I look forward to it. Uh, it's one um, that it's extremely important because you win with good organizations. Always have believed that it starts at the top with the owner. And press. I bet you I've spoken to John Middleton 15 times in the last year, going through, of course, contractual stuff. And it's been great to, to talk to him, to talk to Andy McPhail, but starts at the top and goes through the whole organization. And I know there's a lot of good people in the organization. I've heard that for years, had a lot of respect for them, but it's getting to know people on a firsthand basis because they need to get to know me too. Hi, Dave. Um, you know, one of the challenges the Phillies have faced um, the last few years and even, you know, beyond the previous regime has been developing players and the farm system. Um, so how do you tackle the evaluation of that um, with, with something that obviously has so much implications for the, the success of the, you know, big league team, you know, not only in 21, but beyond that? Well, Again, that's a great question. I mean, how do you go about it? First of all, you get to know the personnel that you're in your organization. Secondly, um, that's that's involved in the development and scouting. I've heard, of course, there's been changes in the scouting and player development the last couple of years, too. And I've heard a lot of good things about the new individuals involved. I don't know them personally, um, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. Just getting to know them. Um, they've also added some pretty good. When you look at, and I know a lot of times people take a, a beating when it comes to this, but at least we added Baum last year at third base. You got a guy like Howard coming into the rotation. Um, I mean, I was, this is just me watching because I don't see it as much. I loved the Phillies' number one draft choice last year. Well, I mean, he I, as impressive as could be. So you get to know the personnel. I need to look at as many reports as on our young players as we can. Probably look at some video, having a chance to look at them myself. Um, but that's what you have to do. And you try to do it as quickly as you possibly can. We'll go to Matt Gelb from The Athletic and then Jim Salisbury from NBC Sports. Dave, how many changes to the front office do you anticipate this offseason or is that less of a priority for you as you try to do this remotely or will, will you be in Philadelphia? How will that work? Well, I'll come to Philadelphia um, at some point when I can meet with people. Um, so, you know, as far as I guess right now, it's a Zoom world, so you can do that from anywhere. But I'm sure I will be there at some point. I asked a question the other day and they said, nobody's coming into the office. It's just not that environment. Now, 
from my own perspective and not that it's a big ordeal. I've already had COVID. I had it like a month ago and have worked through it, um, but it was not an easy couple of weeks, but I'm, I've got antibodies now. So if any of you see me, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to catch it from me. Um, I still wear my mask when I'm, I'm out and about, but you know, I, I don't anticipate, um, you know, I went into Boston a few years ago. We really didn't make any major changes right off the bat. And I hear the same thing about the Phillies that I did with Boston. It's getting to know people. Maybe you make adjustments and responsibilities at times. But like I talked about general manager. Do we add one? Do we not add one? I'm not sure of that right now. But I, it's really not my style to come in and make a bunch of changes. I think it's more appropriate to give people an opportunity and see how they perform and, and get a chance to work with them. And Hopefully we don't make any changes, but I don't anticipate walking in there right now and making any changes with anybody right now. And you're inheriting in what's kind of an unusual situation for you. It's a, it's a higher payroll with a bit of an underachieving roster and, and it's consensus bottom 10 farm system in the game. It's a little different than the, the previous iterations of teams you've encountered. What, what kind of challenge does that present for you? That sort of different state that the organization is in? Well, usually when you go into an organization, um, there's a reason why you go in, right? The club's been struggling for a little bit. So for whatever reason, um, so it becomes a challenge, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's different because when I went to, and I'll just go through, when I went to Florida, that was different, right? Complete expansion franchise. You build it up from the very beginning, which we did, and you're building and building and building, and you get to the point where you win. And then we tore it down and then built it again. And it worked out fine. They ended up winning a world championship. When I went to Detroit, we were, that was an organization that had lost a lot of years in a row that didn't have much talent at that point at the major league level or at the minor league level, really. And it really took a complete revamping. And we ended up taking some years to do that and ended up in the World Series about five years later. Uh, now you go to, to Boston at the point. Well, it's a little bit different. Um, you got a tremendous amount of young talent around the field, but the club had, after winning a championship in 13, had finished in last place in 14 and 15 too. I mean, people only kind of remember the, the end of, but we didn't have much pitching uh, at the in the organization. And really, if you look back now, how many of the pitchers that were there in the organization at the time um, how many of them have been successful big league pitchers elsewhere? So we needed to add pitching. So every time you go somewhere, things need to be done. What I have found too is that, um, and, I, and I'll tell the story and I, I've told it before, but people run with reputations at times. And so sometimes their talent's better than what you think it is, but you don't know what it is because the reality is who's scouting all that talent. So I'll give you an example. And it goes back many, many years ago. It was when I was first general manager. I was with the Montreal Expos. So I'm sitting there. It's my first, like my first year. And, um, and I'm reading in the morning at, there and they're ranking the 14 out there, 14 clubs in the National League at that time. Montreal Expos outfield, they ranked 14th in the National League. And I'm thinking, well, I think we're a little bit better than that. They're young players. Well, what was the outfield? Moises Alou in left, Marquise Grissom in center, and Larry Walker in right. So you have to take those things with a grain of salt at times, and hopefully you evaluate your own players better than anyone. 
and be realistic with your evaluations. So those are all the challenges of being part of an organization. I'm looking forward to doing that. Hi, Dave. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so perfect segue. You bring up scouting and evaluating your own guys. Um, John Middleton spearheaded a movement to uh, build an analytics department here. Spent an awful lot of money on it, um, adding personnel and technology and whatnot. And they use it up and down the system. Um, will you feel pressured to use that? How much will you use that data, that, that analytics, that technology in, in building your roster and, and building an organization in general? Or will you lean more uh, your reputation is as a scouting guy, where you lean more on your scouts. How do you play that, that sure. balance? Great, great question. Um, and again, I know you get reputations. Um, when we were in Detroit uh, over the last few years, we spent the majority of our payroll on the big league roster. That's just what we did. We were trying to win. We had an owner that had owned the team for a while that was up in, and that was our focus. We had a very small analytic department on a couple people and, it, and but it really um that doesn't necessarily mean it's your philosophy it's what you're you're doing so when we went to bought when i went to boston um we actually incorporated analytics basically everywhere now when i went there at first and you can check with people from boston i had um the analytics department which was up front when it first started in analytics, had really kind of fallen behind. They really hadn't made many adjustments in recent years. Not as many people as they normally did, hadn't been advanced in some areas. And we really built that back. Um, and I was all encouraging in that regard. I think it you get whatever information that you possibly can, and there's a lot of good information that you receive. We had a gentleman by the name of Zach Scott, who was, was assistant general manager at the time, did a great job in building up our analytics department. We added people in analytics and analytics was involved in player development, scouting, amateur and professional, big league aspect of it, basically everywhere we were. And they were involved in all of our meetings. So I'm very much for it. How I use, this is how basically I try everywhere to we were. I tried to equally use scouting and analytics. Some people may favor scouting strictly. Some people may favor analytics strictly. I believe in combining both of them and then working together and using whatever information you possibly can to make the best judgment. So I welcome it. Uh, I very much welcome whatever information we have. And I'm just, again, I, you're, you're older. I mean, I, so you're not supposed to believe it and you hear these reputations. Um, that, that is not a, an accurate assessment because I'm very supportive of all that type of information. And uh, we'll continue to do so. Will you bring uh, any Dave scouts Dombrowski, with you? And the who Phillies is, uh, speaking to the media now, and uh, we brought that to you live thanks to NBC Philadelphia. We will react to that a little bit later on. Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad, who is on the call, he will uh, react to it with us when we come back. It's a Sal Pal Friday. Sal Pal Antonio will join us live here on the Sports Bash on ninety-seven three ESPN. <laughs> 